feel like sometimes life is really mental. Dude, that's actually a really good name for a podcast. <laughs> Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. I felt like I had a lump in my throat. I don't know why I visualized it as being like yellow lines straight to my heart. It's like a string that's just being like pulled too tight. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode with Really Mental. We have an amazing guest, Stephanie Poetry, who's a singer-songwriter, and we're going to be talking with her about anxiety. If you love today's episode, please be sure to follow us on socials, like and subscribe, and send it to a friend. I wanted to ask you, Will, talking about anxiety, what's your experience with anxiety been like? Yeah, I think my journey with anxiety is I definitely always had it in high school. I'm not quite sure when it started, but I think like just the parts of high school where it can be tough to belong with like the social hierarchy that exists. I think throughout that as a kid, 14, 15, I probably started developing it then. And how it manifested during school is I would get social anxiety because I felt like a lot of judgment. And that judgment made me feel like I had to be something I wasn't to belong. And then from that, obviously, an anxiety of like, are they going to find out who I really am? When I think back, that's what comes to mind. I remember I had my first ever panic attack at school when I was 18, 17, probably actually. I remember like I just got really worked up because I felt really like uncomfortable in my own skin just awkward about like an interaction I had with a person in my class. And I just felt such shame over that. And I'd never really told anyone that until like obviously being comfortable about it years later. I was hyperventilating. It felt really scary. It was probably later when I was 19 that I really figured out, okay, like that's what anxiety is. And my journey from there has been trying to accept it. Like I think even to this day, it's easy to push the discomfort away because anxiety is so uncomfortable for, I feel anyone, like, I mean, that just feeling of being in the unknown, being in your discomfort sort of zone, it's hard to sort of sit there. And so to this day, I'm still working on accepting those feelings and not pushing them away. What I'm better at now is like talking about it though. I'm really excited to learn from Stephanie, you know, how she deals with anxiety. Because I think talking about it helps me even to this day, you know, and continually just feel more comfortable with those more unattractive feelings that I can feel. So that's been my journey with it. What about you, Harrison? It's been a mix of areas, to be honest. I think even now to this day, I'm still like navigating how to deal with it. I don't really remember. There wasn't like one time where I like was like, okay, I feel anxious. I think that it's been like a strand of a slow burn over like the course of the last eight years, I would say. And kind of like compounded until I was able to like really recognize, okay, this is going to be like an actual problem and stuff. I still get anxious all the time. I just have ways of dealing with it, which are more so like taking some time for myself now. I think that's helped and not distracting myself in my work to kind of like deal with the anxiety, seeing friends and kind of being more social and having like a break for a second, I think has really helped. My anxiety is usually based off like my own expectations on myself and where I want to be less of like what other people are, that expectation of myself to be great and kind of like breaking that down, I think helped me deal with my anxiety. And like what I'm focusing on today is to really just be able to do my work and also like have some downtime as well. So I can balance that anxiety to an extent. I obviously have to get my work done and stuff, but I can spend quality time with my friends as well, um, which really helps. 
with that, I think it'd be really interesting to hear what Stephanie has to say today talking about anxiety. So we're going to welcome her onto the podcast. Stephanie Poetry. Hey everyone, just want to let you know that we have an Amazon AMP show with amazing guests every week similar to the podcast. It's going to be at 7pm PT and 10pm ET. So go download the Amazon AMP app and we'll see you there. All right. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us today. Could you please describe yourself for people who do not know who Stephanie Poetry is? Yes. Um, my name is Stephanie Poetry. I'm a singer-songwriter from Jakarta, Indonesia. I really like songs where the lyrics are very like storytelling and the instruments drive the story with it. I feel like my voice tends to fit songs that are a little bit more chill as well. So that's the kind of music I make. And also as somebody who did a lot of homework in school. I really enjoyed listening to those acoustic songs because I feel like they give me the right vibe for studying. In terms of telling a story, for some artists, it can be less important. And I know for others, it's at the forefront of when they're in the studio. They really want to tell an arc and, and have it be really true to them. What about storytelling appeals to you? Yeah, I just feel like I love visualizing things. So when I was growing up, I never did music. I was always a visual arts person. So now I use that a lot when I write a song. I want to be able to visualize it. Like if there was a music video, what would be seen right now? Being able to tell a story that people can listen to and put themselves in is really cool to me. It's just another way to feel like you can relate to a story, even if you can't relate it in your own life. How do you get like inspiration for those types of things? Like if they're not directly from your life? I feel like I really like using stories that stem from like one specific thing. For example, we would be talking in a session and being like, yo, I'm so bad at saying sorry. So how do you say sorry? And like in the Asian household, sometimes our parents would like cut up some fruit for us to say sorry or pack up lunch or stuff like that. So I really like focusing on those things and maybe doing like a romantic twist or something like that. I will say I don't really write breakup songs, mostly because I feel like there's so many breakup songs that are so good. And as somebody who doesn't really go through breakups, I feel like I should not be one of the people who make these songs. So I tend to write songs that are either happy love songs that might be a little bit sadder, but not about breaking up. I'm interested. I love that you brought up saying sorry. How do you say sorry? How does Stephanie Poetry say sorry to maybe a friend or someone? Actually, I, so I talk a lot and I'm very honest. So I will say sorry, but also I like repeat it many, 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 many times. And also I like to do acts of service, I think, just because I feel like when I do something wrong, I owe people something. If I don't do anything to at least like level it, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, they're mad, they're mad, they're mad. How do I level it to the middle ground again? Which is not a good thing to think about, but that's sometimes how I think about it. I think the best thing is to just like communicate and ask, right? Like be really specific about it. Like, hey, did me doing this upset you? And I think communication really f- helps a lot. And that's something we all should learn to do better, communicate. In terms of communication, it's interesting how we can see from different perspectives. We can see completely different things for the same sort of scenario that happened. In terms of anxiety, how has communication been important for your journey with anxiety? Before, I didn't really know how to explain how I was feeling. 
so my dad, he was really into psychology uh, his whole life. So I was going through a lot of it without realizing what it was. And then I called him and he was like, well, explain to me like exactly how you feel. And so I was, instead of generalizing everything, I told him, well, I feel pain in my chest, almost like when you're on a roller coaster, like all these things that are very specific, but you know, like I, I would not know how to explain that in a general sense, but specifically I can do it. And then also just like talking with the people in my life that could make me feel better. I've always been somebody who's like not really embarrassed or shy to say, you know, like stuff that's going on in my life. So I was just like, hey guys, oh, I don't feel good. Uh, and then, you know, explain to them a little bit about what I was going through. I think I'm very lucky because I do have a good group of people around me who are very reciprocative to that and understanding. What were some of the things that you were saying and describing to your dad as the feelings when you were realizing you were anxious? The worst thing that I experienced was like waking up multiple days in a row with like the feeling of wanting to throw up, but it's not up here. It's like only in my stomach. And that's when I knew it was definitely anxiety and not like something else. I just felt like I was on a roller coaster all day or that I was, you know, I had like food poisoning, even though I haven't eaten anything. Like wanting to eat something, I felt like I had a lump in my throat. I don't know why I visualized it as being like yellow lines, but I could feel like yellow lines going straight to my heart. It's like a string that's just being like pulled too tight. And he said, it's really good to visualize it because it's no longer just this like concept. If you visualize it with a color, with a density, you can kind of figure out how to manipulate yourself into like moving it around. And like, I remember one of the days I, I visualized it as like a bunch of paper in my chest that would cut me and in, inside. And so I was like, okay, how do I make it not sharp? Drink a lot of water. So like I imagine myself like having a lot of water to make it soggy and not sharp. And that helped a little bit. So weird stuff like that. I don't know. We figure out what works for us, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's so interesting that you sort of found what worked for you. And also I think it's great that you spoke about it because with my struggles with anxiety, it's definitely in the past, like opening up about it, it lets go of the sort of weight that sometimes we carry around. So I think that's really awesome. You've sort of taken that approach. Would you say like for the person listening to this, that is, you know, going through it and they're at that point you were with, with the, the pain in their chest, how can they get out of that state of anxiety? So I will say I'm one of those people who never really found a way to get out of it. What happened was like time heals everything. And at first that didn't make me happy. It made me angry that time was the only thing that could make me feel better. But I found that it reminded me of, you know, how people say like this too shall pass. And like, I've gone through it many times and just accepting the fact that it'll go away at some point is better than being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel like this the whole time. Because when I was really going through it, I was like, am I going to feel like this? Because it was multiple days in a row. I was like, I'm going to feel like this forever. And then when it went away, I was like, you know what? Like that means no matter what happens, it's going to go away at some point. It's sad that I don't have this like fix for it, but it makes me just not feel as bad as I would have knowing that like I will get through it and you will get through it too. Because you have, like you've gone through it many times you just don't feel like it's as bad as the last time so i used to get these things not panic attacks but anxiety attacks which are like slower and you can catch them it's always tend to be like a like a step-by-step -step process until you get to that like peak of that anxiety attack my dad told me like you can just basically stop the process by 
doing jumping jacks like if you can feel yourself starting to be like you know, heavy breathing and you're like mm, do something that makes your body like shocked or like surprised because it stops that wave you know your body's like what what's happening that's what i found helped the most and also when i was going through it right you know what i did i stayed up all night and so i never got sunlight and this is crazy but i started going to the beach to play volleyball and I don't know how, but I feel like that's made me feel a lot better. And I think vitamin D is weirdly like really important or maybe it's the sun. In terms of like your day to day during that period, I'm really interested in these parts because it's sort of, it looks different for everyone. And I definitely know my periods of crippling anxiety sometimes look different to other people's. So in terms of your day to day, you said you were staying inside and not getting as much sunlight. Was there anything else that you were sort of doing that was um, almost destructive or maybe like helped habit wise? It was definitely a weird situation because um, so I was in Indonesia back home and I had to do Zoom sessions because that's what everybody was doing. And the last thing I wanted was for people to stay up for me. So what happened was I would do sessions at night, which then made me sleep throughout the afternoon. And that was really bad. But also... This is something I still do that I need to do better because I know it's not good for me is like I go on social media looking at the things, hoping it would make me feel better, even though nine times out of 10, it's going to make me worse just to because I crave that 10% chance of it making me feel good. So that's not good. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like the first thing I would do is go on my phone in the morning and check out hoping something would change, but nothing changes. That's how it creates this like really bad habit of being disappointed waking up. And I think that's why I started waking up with anxiety because it became like a habit. If I had just gotten more sun, I think I would have been okay because it was just that like, yes, their lives were more convenient and I think I would have been okay, but I was also not doing the best in taking care of myself. Honestly, I felt like the first couple of weeks were just numbness. Like I didn't feel anything. Like I couldn't feel that happy, but I also couldn't feel that sad. I was just kind of like in the middle and I... Did not know exactly how I felt about that. And then suddenly anxiety came and it made it even worse because going through the numb phase made me kind of forget how bad sadness can be. And so when it came, it was like, whoa, what is this? So I feel like I definitely should have done something during the numb phase, but I feel like I, I, did not, I didn't know what it was. So I kind of just thought it was boredom, especially during COVID when everything's like the same for a while. Like I did not have something to necessarily look forward to or to take boxes in my head. And like as humans, we really like being able to like, you know, problem solve. And I just didn't have anything that made me feel like I accomplished anything. But also I wasn't in a bad state where I was sad about anything. And so I was like in the middle constantly not being able to find something funny sometimes. Like people would be laughing and I'm like, this is funny, but why am I not happy about it? Like, and why am I not laughing? Hopefully, I don't have to go through it again, but maybe I will. And maybe we'll figure out why once that happens. How did performing feel? How did writing feel during that period of numbness? Yeah, I will say like during writing, because it was at weird hours of the night, it definitely felt like I just want to get it over with. And I definitely didn't find the same joy as I did. It was definitely like a chore I had to do. And that sucks because, you know, like I'm working with other people and 
I also had a weird guilt where I was like, I'm not putting my all when all these other people in the studio for me wanted to put their all too. So it just kind of became this loop of like wanting to get it over with and then feeling guilty about it. You know, you end up writing a song that it doesn't feel authentic or doesn't feel like your best work. And so you feel bad afterwards. It was definitely affecting my career. And I also was lucky enough to be with people who were very patient with me in the studio. I was able to like explain to them afterwards, like, hey, this is what I was going through. And they're like, well, I'm glad we could, you know, at the end of the day, like accompany you through things. Because at least that gave me, gave me that little like check mark in my head. Like, okay, at least I did a session today. At least I made a song today. You know, that helped a little bit. I can see how that would have been like a nice way to like, at least feel like you're moving things forward. Did you ever feel anxious when others were kind of looking at you in a different way because you were feeling numb? You know what I mean? So you're feeling numb. Did you ever get anxious about the idea that you were feeling numb? I mean, a little bit because there's just a weird guilt, right? It's like, I have such an incredible opportunity to be able to do what I love as a job. And then I'm like, am I not appreciating it enough? And like, I don't have a control over whether I feel numb or not, but there's like a weird guilt with it being like that. It's like, sometimes I don't want to complain because other people are going through stuff that, you know, can be far worse than mine. But so far, everybody has been really, really nice about it. And I think it's, it's good to be aware that that you can go through things that other people can't relate to, but it's still bad. I've been told that like, it's okay. If I can tell you things, you can tell me things too, even if your situation is better, you know? Yeah. Comparative suffering is such an interesting thing. It can be such a difficult emotion to deal with because we have that initial feeling, which is true because we obviously feel it. So there's some truth to it. Yet we almost like well, I'm not going to put everyone into the bus, but sometimes I have this pattern of discounting it because it's like, well, but this person's, you know, as you were saying, like this person's going through it maybe a lot more. So why should I be over here complaining? But that's the weird in-between ground that I feel like we have to navigate with these like complex emotions. It made me think in terms of guilt, for some reason, it just made me think of music. I could tell from your music and watching performances and stuff, you're a very talented person. When it comes to music, when you have these high moments of success, what does that feel like? Do you feel like you're able to really appreciate them? Is there any guilt from having success in an industry where we know it's so competitive? How does that feel for you when you achieve a big goal? Yeah, so basically I would say I've had one high point in terms of success and that happened with my second ever song. So it was very much like a well, I didn't even need to do the um, the grind that a lot of artists had to do. I was very lucky in that sense. But it definitely felt like afterwards, you get excited about what's to come. You know, I would say there's a lot of songs that do well. And then afterwards, you don't get that momentum anymore. And it's just like the truth, you know, one hit wonders are, are a thing. And a lot of people kind of make that like a really bad thing. And so that's what I had to go through be, just being like scared that that's something I have to deal with. I think in terms of guilt, I definitely had this weird like guilty feeling because of how privileged I was with my background. My mom is a singer, my dad's a musician. So it was a lot easier for me to just go into it than other people. And so whenever anybody asked for advice, 
I had a little bit of guilt being like, I wish I could give you an honest advice. But in reality, it's like, as much as I worked hard, I was also just very lucky to have been given an easier highway to my career than other people do. And so that was one thing that I was always trying to be really careful with talking about. Because last thing I want to do is be like, look at me, you can be like this too if you work as hard as me. Because that's not true, right? It's like, I was just born in a position that made it easier for me. And that was one thing that I was always guilty of a little bit. My mom was the one who had to go through like going from zero to a hundred. Like she was the one who grew up in poverty and did all the hard work basically and taught me growing up how to really appreciate things, how to take criticism well, because she basically learned all that and passed it down to me. Whenever I do go through something, I do find myself getting a lot of help from how she taught me growing up. What were some of the things that she taught you that you still use today in those areas? Just with the way she started off her career, she had to really advocate for herself. And there was a fine line between being like, you owe me these things and I deserve these things. So she tried her best to show people that like she deserves certain things without making it be like, because you owe me this. And that's like a really hard thing because I feel like as much as people love a good character, sometimes ego is something that can really make or break you. And so she was like, always keep your ego in check. There's always somebody out there who can do what you do, but in a nicer way. So I'm like, okay, so you just got to do your best to make sure that you're also making everybody's life easier. Like you don't want to be somebody that's hard to work with because everybody's doing this as a job. You want to make sure they're happy and having fun. 100%. I think that's really good self-awareness to do that too, because sometimes it can just go unchecked. We all have egos. I was actually saying this last night. We all have egos. And so it's therefore okay to, of course, sometimes our egos are going to be hurt by certain things. But yeah, keeping in check, that's a huge thing. And it's awesome that you have that, you know, top of mind. You mentioned the industry and I wanted to ask, how has the music industry played into your mental health, if at all, for you? Oh, a lot. It's hard because your success is pretty much like you use it as a way to validate who you are as a person, which is so bad. It's like who I am in my daily life can be dictated by how well my streams are or how well my videos are doing. And that sucks, dude. Like it sucks that it's such an integral part of our lives. Like in other cases, I think it's a little bit easier to have that work-life balance. But for us in music, it's like your life, sometimes your work, like your work is your life and it's almost impossible to not mix it together. And so for me, I think the right way is to just find a way to accept where you are because it's good to have dreams. It's good to want more, but sometimes it just leaves you feeling unfulfilled even in your personal life, which is not good. Not a good feeling. Do you ever get scared it'll all go away? vibes always. It's like, you just, you just never know when people kind of move on from you. And as somebody who's experienced that, you know, I had a lot of hype around LV 3000, which I'm very grateful for, but COVID hit after that. And everybody was like, there's like better things for me to care about than your music, Stephanie. And that's like super true. And so it was a little bit hard for me to kind of just feel like, oh, people don't care about me now. And I think I weirdly adapted that to my own personal life, thinking that people think I'm not cool anymore. When in reality, it's like, Dude, like your friends will love you no matter what. 
And also, you're basically doing a like a cool job. So don't think that way. But it took me a while to accept that. I was like, oh, everybody's gonna look at me as being this like disappointment. But if your friends are nice people, like they won't think that way. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Identity and purpose. Identity you mentioned before, huge word. I want to dig into that, and I think it is linked to the purpose piece, which is. What drives you to to do music and to do what you're doing now? So I wanted to put that question and frame that up for you, Stephanie. I'm sure you could achieve high success at a lot of things, but for music, what about that career path gives you purpose? And what are you trying to trying to give with that particular input into the the world? I think my favorite thing about my career is the ability to do more than just one thing. Like as much as I do music as the main thing, I also like doing art, and then. That also translates to maybe making the artwork or thinking of a music video, being able to edit everything myself. And I really like to be able to create like a body of work that I had a lot of input in and having that accompany people throughout their day. I really like having the idea of being somebody's soundtrack to their life. Having somebody be like, "Oh, I listen to your song in the car a lot," or literally a couple a couple came up to me at the festival and was like, "We had your song as our first dance for our wedding." The fact that I'm able to make something for people to like a background music to a memory, it's, it makes me just feel so lucky to be able to do that. And, you know, at the end of the day, that matters more than the amount of streams I get, the amount of fame it comes with. The fact that I can facilitate somebody in something special in their life with my music is kind of the purpose I have. Some people could be super low key. But their song is like the song that helped somebody through their breakup. Yeah. That kind of yeah. means a lot. You know what I mean? Mm. For you, like what is something that you love about your life that you would love for other people to implement into theirs? Oh, I hope people get to try as many creative things as I do. Because the fact that I get to go home and draw and put it up on Instagram and have people, you know, check it out. I feel like. It's just so fun to be able to try a lot of new things that all kind of coexist with each other. I also edited and shot the video for I Love You 2000. And that was like my first like, oh, this is what editing feels like and making music videos. And I wish other people who are as passionate about creative things have the same ability to try it all as easy as I do. Whenever I do well in music, I get... Funding to try out other things and stuff like that. I also have a lot of time to try these other things. So I really hope that people can find a way to have that opportunity to try new things. Where would you start if you're someone who is not creative at all, but they're open to to trying it? How would you recommend that they start? I feel like collaborating is such a great way because when you work with other people, they like can bring out certain talents you have that you don't even know exist. Working with other people who they can be creative, but they can also not be creative. You guys can all just like end up making an idea that works because sometimes people, it's like a puzzle piece. Like you have one puzzle piece, and other people can put it all together, and then you have this amazing body of work that would not have existed if you didn't collaborate with other people. So that literally could be just like you have a friend who's into something, and you're like, "Ooh, do you want to meet up and like talk about it or something?" Like, who do you like to listen to? Who do what artists do you like? What YouTubers do you like? Stuff like that. It's a lot harder to do things yourself. Like, I I didn't do anything myself. Like, honestly, with LV three thousand, it was my phone, but I was like, my sister was walking around with me, and I was like, "Hold it here." She was like, "Okay." <laughs> so you know, I had her help, which uh, helped a lot. So finding people in your life who are excited about things are really good. 
we like to do a little a fast five mental health questions segment here on Really Mental. We just want you to say the first thing that comes to your mind. So we're going to start with what is something you do that makes you feel loved? My cats. <laughs> okay, second question. When was the last time you felt really loved? My ARs are from my company. They advocate for me a lot. And despite us being in like a professional relationship, the fact that they care about me like that and I love them with my whole heart means a lot to me because I think that's very lucky. What is something you wish people would tell you more often? Mean things, but not like hate, but like just like the truth. I think sometimes I've I've been going through this thing where people are like just nice to me Mm. just to be nice. And sometimes I want people to be like, I think your hair could look better. (laughs) (laughs) Just so so I know they're telling the truth and not just being nice. Fair enough. What is a flaw that you find the hardest to admit? I always try to make sure that I'm happy for people. But whenever I'm going on a bad rut, the happiness instead is like, I wish I got those opportunities too. I wish people liked me as much as I like them. But it's only when I'm doing bad. If I'm doing good, I'm happy for other people. But if I'm like doing bad, I'm like, I wish I was them, you know. That makes sense. And I've recognized that same conclusion as well in terms of when we feel comfortable and secure in what we're doing, the focus becomes less on, you know, oh, I should have this or that. So I definitely resonate with that too. What's the most meaningful life experience you have had in your own words? I think I am very lucky to have the parents I have. And like, despite them being divorced, I think they just did such a great job raising me to be as open-minded, as honest as I am now. So shout out to you, mom and dad. (laughs) That was the five questions. And to wrap up today, like what does a great 12 months look like for you? I think a great 12 months is when I feel stronger like I really like sports. So when I when I feel stronger, I'm like, yeah, I did a good job this year. But also having more people to say, if it was like in the New Year New Year's context, having more people to say happy New Year's to. Cause that means I not only have I met people, but I also met people that I care about. And also being excited about what's coming next. Cause there have been times where it's like, I'm not excited about what's coming next because what's happened before was stressful. And so I'm glad whenever I'm like, I'm excited for more because that means it's been going well. I, I like those answers, particularly the last one, because I think that life can be like that. It's important for us to find what's continually giving us energy and feeding us rather than taking away from us. To wrap things up for our last question, what is something you wish people did more of? I wish that people did more random acts of kindness Mm. literally just 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 cuz with no intention of anything good to come back to them just to be like okay just because you found that doing it doesn't take more effort than not doing it you know yeah yeah thank you so much for coming on today like it was amazing to chat and to hear your story and what you've been through yes thank you for having me Wow. Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. I still think talking about anxiety is probably one of my favorite ones to learn about just personally, because everyone has a different way of dealing with it. And I feel like anxiety is such a broad term for like a bunch of 
more complex, intricate experiences that people have. For instance, I found with Stephanie, that numb phase she's talking about really interesting from the perspective of like, I don't necessarily hear too many people talking about how to get through that stage because I think sometimes life can get to a point where it's not necessarily that you feel super, super sad or super, super happy, but it's just in that weird numb feeling period. And so I really enjoyed, you know, hearing from her about how time can heal everything and that reminding yourself that, you know, you're not going to be stuck in there forever. That's a really important part of just being at peace through that period. I know sometimes I can try and wrestle with it. And so that type of approach, I think is a really good reminder. What about you, Harrison? I think the point of like visualizing what you're feeling and kind of putting like a character towards it was really interesting because I'd heard that to an extent before, but not in the way that she explained where it putting it a character towards the way that you're feeling will allow you to control that and like allow you to kind of change it and shift it. For example, she used the shards in her lungs, like she felt like it was stabbing in her lungs, paper cuts and stuff. So what she imagined was water going down and like making the paper damp so it couldn't cut her anymore. And that kind of like worked in her own favor. So I think like things like that, because I'm a visual person, like can help people who love to be visual and love to imagine things because it can make your situation into your control where you can kind of manipulate it and change it and kind of make it whatever you want. Definitely. For everyone listening, thank you for making it this far. And we really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Stephanie. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on all socials at Really Mental Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And again, if you enjoyed our story, please rate it five stars because we really think this journey is worth that. Excited for you to hear our guest that is coming on next week. And uh, make sure you take some time to process everything you're feeling over the next seven days. We'll see you then. Love you. Bye. Even when you lose all hope, you go deeper than you've gone. Hold on till you can't no more. If you guys are struggling, Will and I aren't like professionals in this field. We're just telling our experiences through stories and kind of just sharing what we've been through. But if you are really struggling, we do highly suggest going to see a therapist and professional help because they will be the ones that can really help you in your situation. Yeah, of course. Feel free to share your stories with us and DM us. We want to know what you're going through, but make sure you take the time to speak to a professional because that's going to give you the most help. That said, we hope that these stories and the people we've spoken to can really help you on your journey to finding that right person, whether it's a therapist or that friend to talk to about it. Make sure you take the time to do that.